greet you all in Jesus' name this morning, and it was certainly good to be here so far. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you, Rupert, for those good thoughts. I was in conversation with my one of the boys, Ohio and Pennsylvania kind of closed back up again. The churches, uh, they have another round of things or the same round or something like that. So, and I said to him this morning, it's kind of relaxing and, um, it's kind of a silver lining to the COVID thing. You get to stay home from church when you quarantine and, and, uh, don't, don't look at me like that. You did too. You, you enjoyed the time off. <laughs> I'm not the only one. It was relaxing. Yeah, you know what I'm supposed to say. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. But there was a, a time there that I enjoyed the time to, to stay at the house and, and be blessed that way. Uh, but they are having some troubles and some struggles. You can turn to Luke 10 in your Bibles. Caleb's aren't here this morning, uh, but they were in at his grandmother's funeral. A little home called Lincoln, a Mennonite home. Uh, maybe like 50 people that lived there. I think they lost seven in the last week or two from COVID. And uh, there's three or four more that are sick. So uh, let me just say Caleb's grandma was an amazing person and encouraged a lot of people in a lot of different countries. I just really was blessed by her life. She was here. Harold Martin preached here occasionally, and uh, it was his wife that passed on, <coughs> passed on there this week. Abbreviated funerals they're having in there right now. So this is going into the, to the lesson that I saw in my mind this morning. Ruthie and I were in at Paul's church. My son Paul goes to a church in the Lancaster area. And uh, COVID still affecting how they did it. So they were outside and we sat on a bank. And um, it was just really good for us to be there, to see that side of Paul and to understand. Uh, and in that community, there was quite a few Black Lives Matter marching and that type of thing. And in his church, there's quite a few different ethnic groups uh, that make up his church. And it's a happy, close-knit church, and we really enjoyed it. Uh, the way they did it is everybody packed their own lunch and brought lawn chairs. And then afterwards, you'd eat your own lunch and visit, go around and visit there. And, and uh, the different cultures, COVID is present, but... Uh, I appreciate different cultures. Uh, a, a warm black lady came up to Ruthie and just threw her arms around her and gave her a hug in this environment. I just appreciated that. But there's a black uh, gentleman had the devotional and shared his thoughts there. Of the struggle it is to be black in the United States. Uh, and uh, he was a young man. I say young man. Very young, like 37 or something like that. <laughs> but he had some good thoughts. He said, um, 
my son Paul says when he rides with him in the city, they get pulled over frequently. And when Paul rides in the same car, he doesn't get pulled over. And the distrust or the or the the struggle that they have to overcome was real. And he shared from the hearts and he said, I realize not all of you here are going to agree with how I look at this. But, uh, and, and the, the group setting there was uh, maybe more towards professional. The visiting speaker there was uh, a college uh, teacher or uh, whatever's above that. And anyway, uh, this young man was saying, uh, it is a struggle. Uh, and we do face things. But what was on his heart was he doesn't, he knows how people are criticized for saying, well, white lives matter or blue lives matter or the struggle that the, 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 the thing that we're hearing today that has our com- country in an uproar. And he says from his heart, the way he would like to look at it is this statement, black lives matter too. And he was on the other side of that thing, and the struggles were real to him. And he said, I'm, easy, I'm, I'm uneasy as a Christian with the objectives and uh, dialogue from Black Lives Matter leaders. And so I find myself in a struggle there. I realize what they're up against and what they're going through. I've experienced it personally. But I don't. Uh, he said, as a Christian, the dialogue and our narrative from the Black Lives Matter doesn't fit very well to, to burn things down. And, and, he, and he said that realizing we need change here in America. So Lonnie Beachy had devotions uh, last, and he taught here already. He had devotions last week. And he was trying to grapple with the unrest that we have. And so he went out and he would walk up to somebody in a place of establishment and a store or something like that. And he would talk to a black person and he'd say, help me understand. And they'd look at him a little wary and a little, what what angle is this guy coming from? What's he want from me? Or what's he trying to look good for? Or what? And Lonnie said, no, I just, we're, everybody's talking past each other. And there's a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. And I want to understand from you, what do you want me to hear? Uh, Help me. I, I want to hear, and he talked to eight different people in a cross-section of areas, poor area and more wealthy area, and he, and he interviewed them and finally got beyond their wariness and said, please talk to me. What, what is it that you would like us, me, to hear? And when he finally got them going, there's an amazing amount of content there of the struggle and the pain and the hatred and the opposition that they feel on a daily basis. That they, that they still feel here in America. After 
progress was made from when I was young, but today they still, they're still feeling that there on a daily basis, that rejection. It's like a child, if you would criticize it and, and just do nothing but criticize and be against them and belittle them, and they feel that, and it's a, it's a stress every day in their lives. But uh, he talked about the different testimonies that some of them had, and it was really eye-opening uh, what, they, what they feel. And a lot of those Christians and black people are not in tune with, with burning and uh, tearing things apart. But they at the same time realize that we've got a problem. And it's an age-old problem. It, it's not a new problem. It's a problem that's been since the beginning of the world, since the beginning of man. There were struggles in this area. One lady said that Christianity finally helped her over the bitterness and over the hatred that she had for white people. After she became a Christian, it, it God helped her through that there of, of what happened in the past. A couple of verses. Uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, Proverbs 31. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Micah, learn to do good and seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and please the widow's cause. And Isaiah, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Psalms 94 says, Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders who decree laws are... Yeah, leaders whose decrees... Permit injustice, or their laws permit injustice. <clears throat> Keeping you thinking here with me. What do you think was the best blessing that you were born white? That you may have, not all of us here, but that you were born Mennonite? Or that you were born in the United States of America? What gave you the most advantage in life or the most privilege in life? As I kicked that around in a discussion this week, it could have been that we were born Mennonite in that, and we didn't choose that. We didn't have a choice in that there. But in that ethic where there's honesty is a priority, uh, family is priority, Work, is, work ethic is a priority. That has been an incredible blessing to you. That has been uh, unmeasurable. It gave you a head start. Uh, being white in America has given you advantages that being Native American or black didn't afford to you. You could get a loan easier. Uh, you could be accepted easier uh, for because of our uh, because of our history, and being born in the United States gave us all privileges that uh, in many other countries the individuals didn't have and don't have today yet. 
So the question, and we're going to uh, Luke 10, and we're going to start at 25, and uh, the the rest of the the context here is the disciple, those that he had sent out, came back and said, "Boy, even spirits are obeying us," and he's saying. Uh, just be grateful, not that spirits obey you, but that your name's written in heaven, that you're going to heaven. And then there was a, a lawyer there, and note the question. The question was not, how can I be a good neighbor? The question was, how I go to heaven? How, what do I got to do to go to heaven? That was the question. A lot of uh, commentaries say this isn't a story about the Good Samaritan and you aren't the Good Samaritan in the story. They say this is a story about salvation and you're helpless and you can't help yourself and Christ is the Good Samaritan and came along and uh, and that's why you're going to heaven. And I get that part of it and I agree with that part of it. and, but I think the emphasis is, is higher than that because of how it ends up there. I think he's, he's going further than that. Uh, we were helpless. We could not, you know, if you go to heaven, it's not because you were a Christian or a Mennonite. It's because of what Christ did for you on the cross. It isn't something that you've done. But if you, when you get to heaven, that'll be the reason. However, uh, when you're a Christian... You, you live in the way that Jesus described here. Uh, because while we were yet sinners, and today we struggle in our humanity, and we couldn't, we couldn't help ourselves, and Christ helped us. I think when I, was, uh, when I broke the ribs and the shoulder and the foot, and I was laying there, uh, I could not help myself. I, you know, I needed help just to get out of bed and walk 10 feet to the restroom. And I couldn't do it on my own. And when we were in those, when you and I were in those shoes where we can't help ourselves is where Christ was. But the lesson here in the story is also how to respond as Christians. The fact that there was such a dislike and hostility between the Jews and Samaritans is what gives us, what gives the use of the Samaritan in the parable and the Good Samaritan such force. The Samaritan in the story is the one who was able to rise above the bigotry and prejudice of the centuries and show mercy and compassion for the injured after the injured's own countrymen passed him by. Behold, a certain lawyer. Uh, and you, th- you don't think attorney here who's going to sue you for the sidewalk being icy. This is a, an expert in God's law who knew everything about the, his job was to study God's law. Stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And... Uh, it's a good question, except for when you inherit something, you don't do anything for it. You inherit, what do I do to go to heaven, was his question. And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And if there's any of us here this morning saying, how do I get to heaven? How do I go to heaven? Uh, the answer is still the same. What is written? What, what does the Bible say? What does it take? 
What do you read in the Word? And that's where we go for answers. And 27, he says, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, that's a good answer. And it was. He had to be a guy that knew what he was doing. Those verses aren't put together anywhere in the Old Testament. He had to know what's important. And Jesus said, well, when, as you read the Bible, what do you think is important? And the lawyer said, well, I think you need to love God. And I think you need to love your neighbor. And Jesus said, right. That is the right answer. Uh, that's what you got to do. If you want to get to heaven, you got to love God first. And you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus put those two together in the New Testament for the first time. Uh, in Matthew, he says, and one of them, a doctor of the law, putting him to the test, asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And in other words, what is important? Let's, let's go through everything. What's important here? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart and with thy whole soul and thy whole mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. Thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophet. This is the bottom line. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. And it should have been the end of the discussion, but uh, in, a, in a court of law, you know, when, a, when one of the, the people in the little boxes asked the question, hey, you know, answer the question, and then when you go through that, you should be quiet, because afterwards they come back and say, well, yesterday you said this, how does that... But the lawyer kind of uh, didn't let it lay there. And he said unto him, uh, but 29 is where we're at, but he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? What he's saying is, you know, where does that stop? This guy was an intelligent guy, and, and where does my neighbor stop? Is it other Jews that I'm supposed to be nice to, or treat like a neighbor? Or, or uh, you know, clarify that, willing to justify himself. <coughs> And then Jesus goes into this amazing story. And we don't know for sure. We think it's a parable, but we don't know if it's an actual story. But the story has amazed us through the centuries of who all the characters are. And Jesus said unto him, a certain man. And we don't know for sure who this guy was. What uh, his ex ethnic background was. We're not really given that. We're not told that. Went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and some of you have been there, and we're told that when you're up in Jerusalem and go down to Jericho, there's switchbacks, and I think the commentary said like 3,500 feet or something that you go down uh, to Jericho. Went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Probably unconscious, not for sure, but half dead. He wasn't able to help himself. He was, he was stretched out. 
And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, and Jesus puts, I just love the way he puts all these deep, pertinent details in here that matter. But the priest, the guy that should have cared, the priest uh, came down there and he didn't miss him. He saw him and he passed by the other way. He just noticed him and he went around this side of the pulpit. He just, he was possibly coming from church. Sometimes they went for two weeks in Jerusalem, then came back down and went home to Jericho. But he saw him. He noticed him. We're not led, led uh, on our own on that. One of the things he might have... What went through his mind? What goes through our mind? Back then they had all these rules. And they had a rule if a priest would touch a dead body. He would have to go through some kind of cleansing thing again. He'd have to go back to church. He'd have to change clothes. Have to do this and do that. And he... You know, as a priest was walking away... He probably said, Lord, bring somebody to help this guy. I just, I'm not sure I'm the person that can help. I'm not sure if he's even alive. But he went by the other way. And then the Levite, again, uh, who you would expect to help, probably. He studied it. He, it says just the terminology there. And likewise, in a Levite, when he was at that place, and he came and he looked on him. He walked over to the owl there and he studied him. But the outcome was then he walked away. He didn't do a thing. He just walked away. But a certain Samaritan... Here, guys, is what I love about this story. Why does this matter? I don't know the history like some of you guys do, but way back uh, when they, when when the God's people walked away from God, uh, He left uh, Assyrians come and, and get some of them, and they, there was uh, there was a long time when they were uh, when they were in um, exile and. Some of the Jews during that time married some of the Syrians. And the Samaritans were the half-breeds that came from those relationships. And the Jews hated them. And if you go back to Ezra or uh, Nehemiah's time there, uh, they said, hey, we're going to have a building project. We're going to build this thing. And the Samaritans said, awesome. We want to help. And they said, you can't help. You're not pure. You're not a full-fledged Mennonite. You can't help. You're not a full-fledged Jew. And then you move up in time a little bit, and you come to the Jesus at the well, and his friends went into town to buy some McDonald's, and he was there at the well, and... Somebody there going to help him. What was her background? She was a Samaritan. And he said, hey, could I have some water? And she said, whoa, you're asking me for water? You guys don't 
have any dealings with us. You, you don't even... And, and he goes on, you know the dialogue. So when Jesus, when the, when the lawyer says, how do I get to heaven? And he said, uh, be a good neighbor. And the guy said, okay, clarify neighbor. And Jesus tells this story. And he uses a priest. He uses a Levite. And he uses a Samaritan. And that there, to the people that were standing there, that was a struggle. What is this going to lead to? And, and Jesus, the way he asked the question is so rich. The way he says to the guy, uh, where, where did I leave off? But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's the word right there if you'd want to circle any or put, if you take something home, uh, since I'm not singing this message, uh, like they recommended we do in Sunday, men's Sunday school. If you take something at home, that compassion is the one you ought to remember. A certain Samaritan. It was the Samaritan that had compassion. That's difficult. That there causes me a problem. That is problematic in my whole upbringing. You can't help build because you're not pure. You're half Hebrew and half uh, whatever else there is out there. Uh, And so you can't help here. He went to him off off of his donkey. And he went to him. He had compassion. And he tied up his wounds pouring oil and wine used for antiseptic possibly or, or whatever they used their, their form of medicine in, in that day and set him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and he took care of him that night doctored him helped him I don't know yet whether he was black or white or brown it was a guy that had a need and this Samaritan had compassion. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, a couple days' wages, and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay you. What a story. And Jesus says to the lawyer, He says, which, I love this question, people. <laughs> I just love this question. Which now of these three thinketh thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he couldn't say Samaritan. Some commentaries say, I don't know if that was the trouble. But his answer was the guy that stopped and helped him. He was a good neighbor. And Jesus said, That's what you should do. To the question of not how should I do missions, not how should I do, uh, how to be a good neighbor, not how does uh, uh, dedication look. To the question of how do I get to heaven, 
The answer was, be a good neighbor. And what does that look like? And Jesus said to the guy, who do you think was a good neighbor? It's challenging to us because we have, I think all of us here as Christians, maybe would like to place ourselves a little bit more. Who are we in the story? We're, you and I would think, I don't know what we'd think, but you'd think the priest is going to heaven and you'd think the Levite is going to heaven. And what Jesus was saying here is, how does this shake off? Who do you think was a good neighbor? Who do you think had it right? And that's why I keep coming back to this word compassion. There's so many voices out there. And there's so much disagreement that if you disagree with the right or the left or whoever it is, we demonize each other so quick. And, you know, let me just take a side road here. I appreciated our men's meeting again. We had a good topic of discussion. There was varied opposing thoughts given. And we leave room for each other to have those opposing thoughts even draw them out. And then we don't demonize each other as Christians. We learn and good decisions are made in that, in that there council where we consider each other's uh, thoughts on it there. Good decisions have the possibility to be made in that there. But in the world today, there is no, you're either with me or against me. The, the voices are so, so shrill, so, uh, so loud, and so uh, they're sure that they are right. And I think we're called not to be in the right or in the left or in the in in, in I think we're called as Christians to be compassion. Where is this race inequity? Uh, are we going to through this pain gain some better understanding of each other? We're all humans. God created all of us. God. Uh, put high priority in this story on a Samaritan. And if we think different and we say uh, the right way, the good neighbor was the one that had compassion. We don't have to prove we're right or we don't have to answer all the world's questions, but we're the guys that stop and give of our time and have compassion in our heart that moves us to be the answer to problems. Not only charity, but it's advocacy. Not just a token favor this guy did. The Samaritan was perceptive. He saw there was a problem. He was compassionate. He was selfless. Willing to inconvenience, willing to give time, willing to invest his resources, willing to risk getting hurt. Uh, Taking chances when there was a need. I think the one thing that I think that I can learn from this story, one of them, there's a couple. 
One of them is to avoid becoming too tribal or too exclusive in God's economy. If, if God would want us, if God was more concerned about the law, the hero of this story would have been one of the Levites. Or would have been somebody. He on purpose made the hero of this story somebody that the Jews had a struggle with. Jesus died for all people. And he loves all people. And what God has called clean, don't you call unclean. And, you know, that there isn't, none of us here have a struggle with thinking uh, race, uh, wrong thoughts on race or anything like that. But sometimes we do, when there's somebody that's from a different culture, they express themselves different. And if they come into our midst, it's hard for us sometimes to... To accept them just, you know, their, their, their training is different, their expressions are different, their ways of thinking are different, and it's hard for us to not show disapproval on the things that, uh, we were taught, you know, we were, we grew up with this. I, I heard somebody say, it's so hard, you have to learn so many things to be an Amish if you, if you didn't grow up that way. And I think, there's so many uh, things that it, not, what I'm saying here is that we can be more accepting of God's people. We don't have to uh, change at every whim or anything like that, but to avoid becoming tribal and exclusive. God loves every every child that'll come to Him. Jesus cared more about the people than the laws. If this guy was worried about, okay, I shouldn't be touching a dead body, Jesus' concern and his blessing was on uh, the person who had compassion. He was more worried about people than their laws. Go and do ye likewise, is what he said. Most important priority, I think, is to Jesus is how we treat other people. Those we know and those we don't know. You know, and again, we don't have to get into the arguments. I, we were traveling and so we got into some... There's such high level, even in Christians, people. Racial discrimination is real or it's not. Wear a mask or don't wear a mask. COVID is bad, COVID is not bad. Get rid of the police, add more police. Love our country, hate our country. And even in, and there was, climate change is real and climate change is not real. In, in the Christian people, there's such a high level of struggle with some of these things that are going around. And there's so much clickbait where you can click on something and it seems true to you and it's way out in left field, but it turns you against one side or the other. The Christian is the one that didn't have those in his mind, but that he's the good neighbor, but he stopped and he had compassion. That's what comes out to, my, to me in this story. Our response, and some of you are so good at this, I feel like I'm talking and 
there's many of you that should be talking. But the Mennonite Samaritan, perceptive, compassionate, selfless, willing to be inconvenienced, willing to give time, willing to invest your resources, willing to risk getting hurt. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, help us to be a good neighbor. Give each one here in the room this morning the wisdom and the courage to live above the fray as things unravel around us. Help us to see through the fog of today and to be people of compassion. Use us to heal shattered hopes and bitterness and struggles. Just just give us the wisdom to speak into people's lives where there's need. We ask your blessing on us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.